What up, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to a brand new episode of the Square Circle Podcast. I'm your host, Marie Shadows, and on this episode of the Square Circle Podcast, I will be going over, in general, New Japan Pro Wrestling's Dominion that happened on June 12, 2022. As we know, Don Taku and Dominion are the biggest pay-per-views for New Japan Pro Wrestling. I'm just going to call them pay-per-views. Dominion was a fantastic card from match one all the way to match 10. There are some minor flaws, but it's not a lot. But before I jump into reviewing in general New Japan Pro Wrestling Dominion, here are some housekeeping notes. The 50% off for one year of my Substack has ended. That sale ended yesterday on June 12th, the same day as New Japan Pro Wrestling's Dominion. If you missed that sale, don't worry. I do have another sale coming up that you could definitely take advantage of. This one is 25% off of the one year and also monthly. So you have options. You could choose either you want to pay monthly, which will now be $6.38, as opposed to $8.50 every month. And then for a year, rather than $70 a year, you can pay $52 and 50 cents a year so you get 25 percent off of yearly and monthly you get to choose you have options and let me know in a comment or a dm if this is very helpful to you if this is very transparent for you because i know not all content creators want to put their business out there and not want to tell you that you can get these type of options I like being transparent with all of my listeners, my readers, all of my supporters, so that way you know what you're getting and you're never going to be blindsided by the fine print. I do not believe in fine print, so you're always going to get some type of transparency from me and I'll be as transparent as I can. And this may backfire on me just because, I don't know, people seem to be more comfortable with fine print than they are with people being upfront. But if you like people being upfront, let me know in a comment or a DM that these help you out. I'm going to be starting that sale soon. It's going to be marieshadows.substack.com forward slash summer sale. That link will also be provided in the description below. So if you have the means and you want to support the brand and unlock everything, because I'm still trying to get more wrestler interviews We'll have more content when it comes to watching matches and doing tape studies. My novel that I want you guys to read, various wrestling articles, and more that we put behind a paywall because this takes time and effort and I don't have any big backing behind me at all. It is just me, myself, and I doing all of this work to produce different types of content that you can view, whether it's a video content podcast episodes, written episodes, like I do it all myself. So I will be dropping that link in the description. And again, if you missed the 50% off, I'm sorry, but at least I have something a little bit better to make it up and see if more people will be interested in grabbing a paid subscription to marieshadows.substack.com. If you do manage to grab a subscription That means that you're giving me the greatest freedom in the world and that is to be financially free, like everyone says. 
and all of my content will be unrestricted and we get to have a good time together and more stuff will be coming. Just remember that, again, this is all me doing this. I don't have a team to bounce off ideas and to make the Square Circle Info, the newsletter on Substack, way more better than what it is. But I think I did a very fantastic job considering that the newsletter is a month old. And I have everyone here that listens to me, reads my content, shares my content. You don't always have to agree with me. And I'm not trying to brainwash anyone into believing that my opinions are the right way. And my opinions are everything. And my opinion is this, my opinion is that. And you should have the same type of mentality that I do. No, I get that everyone is different. However, it's just that sometimes... I would know a little bit more since I've been in the business a little bit longer and fans are just being fans. I don't look at professional wrestling the same way as everyone else does. And that's okay too. So, you know, it's okay to not agree with everything that I say. One last housekeeping notes is that I will be finishing best of the super juniors this month. So you guys would get all the cool podcast episodes. They're not going to be video episodes episodes are going to be all podcast episodes all audio podcast episodes where I go over best of the super juniors in full because I made a promise to myself that I will finish something that New Japan puts out for far too long even though I do this by myself that I don't have a team I see other people succeeding in the fact that they cover fully a New Japan tournament And I promised myself that I would do the same thing. Doesn't matter how long it takes me as long as I finish it. Because, you know, I want to be right there with the best of them. The only problem is, is that I give you guys way more extra goodies than the best of them. Where it's just simple. This match happened via this pinfall or submission and how long the match was. So that's a simple approach to just regularly covering these tournaments. But again, I like to give you guys a little bit extra when it comes to how I handle covering the tournaments. And then I feel overwhelmed because I have to keep up with it. And especially if it's, you know, back to back to back, that's a little overwhelming. But I'm going to finish up those best of the Super Junior podcast episodes, maybe write some more articles it's going to happen. I Like I said, I promised myself this will get done. And you guys over at marieshadows.substack.com will be able to listen and read it on a daily, every single day at 10 a.m. in your inboxes. I thank you guys so much for signing up to the Substack newsletter. And with that being said, let me just entertain you with this general review of New Japan Pro Wrestling Dominion. As always, New Japan Pro Wrestling's pay-per-view always starts off with at least a couple matches that are tag matches. You might have a special singles matches that's not on the main card. The main card is usually consists of grudge matches and title matches. So let's just go through the whole entire card. And by the way, New Japan Dominion was at the famous Osaka Joe Hall. We start out with a tag team match. It's a trios match. We have the United Empire, Aaron Hinare, Akira Francesco, along with TJP, taking on the team of six or nine, including Tenzan. They didn't really have a name for this team at the moment. 
But six or nine are the tag team junior tag team champions of New Japan Pro Wrestling. So that's Mastawado and Taguchi, along with Tenzan, like I said. This was a very fantastic match. It was cool. There was a lot of technical stuff in the beginning and then high-flying to start. For some reason, Mastawado and TJP just has this grudge between them, and I have no idea what it is. I don't know where it stems from, but I do know that because Mastawado and Taguchi are the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Tag Team Champions, that Akira and TJP have staked their claim to get a title shot against 6 or 9, the team. But other than that, I don't know if TJP is trying to prove that Master Wado ain't up to his level or whatever the case may be. Taguchi gets in some hip attacks to TJP. We have a combination move here where it's a fireman's carry into fireball, which is Akira running at the opponents and hitting some double knees behind their head. And then TJP went up to the top rope to do his Mamba Splash. However, Master Wado gets pinned, but Tenzan comes in to save the match. Hinari comes in, and Hinari is full of power, strikes, kicks. Man, this guy will definitely beat the shit out of you, if need be. He does a Brain Buster to Tenzan. And then, after Tenzan kicks out, he decides to do a full Nelson lock on Tenzan. Tenzan then proceeds to tap out and Hinari wins this trios match for his team, the United Empire. The interesting thing about that is that Hinari for a couple years has been under the tutelage of main unit and the senpais. And basically, they wanted him to do what they wanted. But the moment that he broke out and joined the United Empire, thanks to Will Ospreay, Hinari has finally found himself and definitely made the most out of it and is definitely been working. He's more comfortable being himself rather than trying to fulfill what the office and the senpais really want of him back in the day. And this victory over Tenzan is just a step in the right direction of New Japan finally seeing Hanare and Hanare finally getting that breakout light on him, that breakout spot on him. And yeah, congratulations to Hanare for picking up the victory for the United Empire in the opening match of New Japan Pro Wrestling's Dominion. Our next match is another six-man match where you have LIJ taking on Bullet Club. Hiromu, Bushi, and Naito represent LIJ. El Fantasmo, Taiji, and Ace Austin represent Bullet Club. This was an interesting match. LIJ having fun. Naito trying to figure out the magic trick that Ace Austin always does at the beginning of his matches. And of course, Naito and, and Hiromu are like the best duo to just have some fun in the ring. Bullet Club managed to take advantage of this in a very big way, big offense on Naito. However, Hiromu came in with his quick offense and managed to turn the advantage in LIJ's favor. However, it was a little too much where we had ELP doing his finisher to CR2 and picking up the victory for Bullet Club for this six-man match at New Japan Dominion. Our next match is still a how-the-fuck-did-we-get-here match. 
It was Yano versus Gallows. Thank God this thing ended in like a minute, maybe two minutes. I'm being generous. But Yano is so good at cheating that I am not going to say my usual fuck Yano here because I really didn't care about this match. I don't care about the Good Brothers. Yano is there, but Yano sort of peaked. But in general, I never really cared about Yano. So the only way that Yano wins this one against Gallows is doing a low blow and decided to pin Gallows after the low blow. So Yano picked up the victory over a Bullet Club member, Gallows. I wouldn't be surprised if Bullet Club decided to pick up Yano because he's more of an asset and he cheats like a Bullet Club member way better than any of the Bullet Club members there. So I wouldn't be surprised if they decide to be like, hey, Yano, you want to be part of Bullet Club? You know, I'm just saying I wouldn't be surprised. Our next match is another six-man tag. Again, I don't really care about this one. I didn't follow the story too, too much. This is House of Torture. So we have Evil, Yudro, and Sho taking on Suzuki Goon, which is Zack Sabre Jr., El Desperado, and Yoshinobu. This was an attempt to have new champions, but it wasn't going to happen. If you guys don't know, House of Torture has been invited to compete at a Gleet event. Most New Japan wrestlers have been invited to go over to Gleet to fight the wrestlers over there. It's going to be another show. I'll have more information on that on marieshadows.substack.com. But just be aware that this six-man tag of House of Torture versus Suzuki-Goon just ends with House of Torture winning. Suzuki-Goon was ready for that sneak attack and they got to get better with the sneak attack so that we people can actually be ambushed and not know that it's going to be coming. But it's House of Torture. It was an all-out brawl on the outside coming into the ring. We finally managed to have it in the ring. But this whole entire match between these two teams was super messy. It wasn't even gimmicky with all the shenanigans that Dick Togo does, all the cheating that he does. And all the stupidity that Evo does, this felt more like it was very messy. Zack Zaber Jr. will come in and sort of just like attack the opponents if they had one of his members, one of his buddies in a submission and then go out to the outside to do some more damage. It just looked really, really messy. So yeah, House of Torture retains their six-man never openweight championship titles and they win this match, and most likely they're going to be bringing those titles with them to Gleet to show off to the Japanese fans who are going to be attending that event. And you know how business works. So, yeah, that's what's going to happen. Our next match is a rematch. Jeff Cobb and the Great Ocon take on Chase Owens and Fale of Bullet Club. This is for the IWGP World Heavyweight Tag Team Championships that Chase and Fale have, and they took it from Jeff Cobb and the Great Ocon. This match was okay. This match was kind of interesting. They could have just labeled this match as a tornado tag match where you don't necessarily need tags to come in and out because there was a lot of double tag teaming against Jeff Cobb, which I was finding super annoying, super annoying. I get that Jeff Cobb is a really dangerous man. 
he has this freakish strength of his and he gives a tour of the islands like no one else. So I understand if you double team him, you're going to eventually wear him down and you might end up retaining the tag team titles while also trying to keep the great Ocon out of the match. But I just think this was really done bad. You know, like, thank God that the match ended with the great Ocon coming in, getting in some offense, getting in some combos to allow Jeff Cobb to relax for a little bit. And then it was tag teaming combination of Jeff Cobb and great Ocon going after Foley and Chase, and thank God that Jeff Cobb managed to get the victory to have himself and Great Ocon become our new IWGP World Heavyweight Tag Team Champions because they did not even get off the ground trying to build the tag team division. That was my one minor flaw in this match when I was watching it, is just that I needed something equal. It can't always just be a single beatdown and then someone has the comeback and it just looks a little foolish, feels a little foolish, especially with all the timing and everything like Chase and Fale equally did not do enough damage to the Great Ocon for the Great Ocon to be on the outside for so long as he was while Jeff Cobb was taking most of the punishments. And usually that tells me that the other team is probably going to win because they took the most punishment they're going to get the belts back maybe i was already spoiled but then again you know this is new japan with bullet club and booking gets a little weird in new japan pro wrestling where bullet club would retain and that's because they really want to put over bullet club bullet club is big but sometimes you gotta make those decisions of like yo the title has to change hands so i'm really thankful that jeff cobb and the great O'Connor of the united empire are our new IWGP World Heavyweight Tag Team Champions. And then I believe that right after this match, we went right into who's going to be in the G1. The G1 talk and review will be a very special podcast and video episode via Twitch. Well, make sure you are also following me at twitch.tv forward slash Maria underscore shadows. I am not sure what we're going to be doing this year for the G1. Not like last year when I did a whole entire episode explaining why Tama needed the win, explaining perfect storylines for what could have happened between this whole betrayal for Bullet Club. I hope they didn't forget about it because I haven't forgotten about it. And I still have to update you guys on more story tidbits. But I know it's going to be a slow burn. I know it's going to be good. It's just that, you know, I want some more stuff. I want some more story, but I'm not sure what we're going to do for this year's G1. I am not too thrilled about the competitors in the G1 this year. I will explain everything to you when that comes. Please make sure to follow me on all social media, including the Substack, to know when that's going to happen. So if you want to voice your opinion, your thoughts or anything, you're right there with me. You're on this journey with me. And the both of us, all of us can talk about the G1 this year. Our next match is the very predictable match that ends up being the winner of this goes on to face John Moxie at the Forbidden Door, June 26th. And by the way, 
Tony Khan, hurry up with that match card. It should not take you this long to do a match card for the Forbidden Door, the biggest show of the year, supposed to be the biggest show of the year, and you basically have nothing. You have podcasters and fans alike doing fantasy booking, doing shows, just talking about the things that they see and want to predict what's going to be happening, but there's no match card. Don't be WWE and have a match card made within the same day or the week prior or the week coming up to Forbidden Door. That's not how the wrestling business works. Like WWE has been doing that for a couple of times where they have weak ass builds leading up to a pay-per-view and the builds have only been like two weeks of hype. This should have been the very beginning at double or nothing. That is when you should have at least started building Angles, stories on double or nothing. You did not need all those other matches that could have been saved for a dynamite or for a rampage. You could have at least had some type of stories and promos built towards the Forbidden Door. Some of your AEW guys calling out the New Japan guys, maybe, I don't know, like start talking to people, start making a freaking match card so we could talk about the match card and like, you know, give our predictions of who's going to win. But we all know that AEW is going to go over in the end because this partnership is playing out exactly the same way the Impact partnership was playing out. Putting your guys over. For example, before I get into this match at New Japan Pro Wrestling Dominion of Hiroki Goto versus Tanahashi, I would just like to quickly say that for Rampage, you had the United Empire. You had Will Ospreay on AEW television, along with Aussie Open, Kyle Fletcher and Mark Davis. And then you had Aaron Hanare in the corner because that's what United Empire does. Whoever is not wrestling will second their teammates and be their cheerleaders and be there in the corner, taking on FTR and Trent in a trios match on Rampage. You have the Rev Pro champion. Well, he didn't take the fall, but you had the United Empire take the fall during Rampage. You had Trent pinning Mark Davis or Kyle Fletcher, one of those guys, and you killed the momentum heading into Forbidden Door by doing that. You know, FTR talks a lot of shit. And Dax is the one that always talks a lot of shit to the point where you want to punch him in the face. And then somehow ends up still being baby faces on the internet and in real life while still talking shit about other things. I don't get it. Anyway, FTR has been saying forever that they are the best tag team in the world. FTR has done the indies. FTR has went to WWE. FTR went to AEW. FTR are the AAA tag team champions, but they have yet to step foot into New Japan Pro Wrestling. For a team that says they are the best in the world, they're always, in general, they're always afraid to go to New Japan. New Japan, I would think, if you talk to the right people, make the right decisions, make the right deals, you get to come in and probably be in one of the tours. 
It's not that difficult. We all have technology, but it seems like everyone don't want to use technology, but they want to use it for other things rather than like advancing their careers. So if FTR is going to continue to say that they are the best tag team in the world and that they're living legends, why you didn't have at least one of them? take the fall and have one of the united empire guys get that pin so that way when we head into forbidden door they have more to prove the chase is going to be amazing the fans who love ftr are definitely going to be cursing out the united empire and don't you want that you want that type of competitiveness from the fans ftr united empire the united empire fans so that way your product can grow the casual fans could get in on it you can make all the money in the world they could make money too off of merchandise sales you can market this as you know osprey could run his mouth the way that he does aussie open really don't need a mouthpiece they're very talkative they're very talk shit guys also so you know they can run their mouth to ftr ftr can run their mouth and then we'll have that old school feeling of this is what we want to see this is what excites us this is why we watch wrestling this is why we watch tag team wrestling so imagine if ftr did take the pin the chase will be a lot more sweeter and then when we get to forbidden door if Aussie Open happens to fight FTR, then sure, it's okay if Aussie Open loses at Forbidden Door. The chase was worth it. The first victory was worth it. But then after this, FTR should at least declare themselves in the upcoming New Japan Pro Wrestling World Tag League so that way they can prove to the entire wrestling world and to themselves and to their mentor Bret Hart that they are indeed the best tag team in the world. You can't keep saying you're the best tag team in the world when you're not going to show up and show out. The Young Bucks don't do it anymore. And the Young Bucks still say they're the greatest tag team in the world, but all they keep getting are five-star review matches from Uncle Dave that don't mean shit. Go show what you have in World Tag League. That's why New Japan made it. New Japan believes in tag teams. New Japan believes in six-man tag teams. New Japan believes in the sport of wrestling. So if wrestling is really deep in your soul and you really love it like you say you do, go show up at World Tag League. Go do this chase. And right there, you would have got extra money. Everyone would have got a bonus. Everyone would have had extra merch sales because fan loyalty is what you need. You need that fan loyalty from both sides, FTR side and definitely United Empire side. The fans that I see on Twitter that always post up their pictures of the merchandise that they buy for FTR, FTR sales would have like went through the roof. If they would have lost to United Empire on Rampage and did the chase to Forbidden Door. And that's how you set up an actual match. Because, again, fan loyalty sometimes drive these stories that we love seeing. They love driving the fact that their team is better than the others. And that's just a natural progression of why we like sports. It's the same way when we have football, baseball, basketball, hockey, any of those sports on TV. Fan loyalty is the best because you know they're going to buy and, you know, you make your money. But I don't know. I don't know if AEW wants to make their money. I know wrestlers want to make their money, but I don't know if AEW does. Because if AEW wanted to make their money, if Tony Khan really wanted to make money like that, 
he will definitely think this out in long term, better term, and have his guys lose sometimes to the other guys that you're trying to have a program with. It's not all about AEW. It's not all about New Japan Pro Wrestling, but you do have to give and take. You can't just keep taking and thinking that you're the king and the best booker in the world when you don't fucking give back. So let me talk about Hiroki Goto versus Hiroshi Tanahashi. The stipulation for this is that the winner gets to go face John Moxley at Forbidden Door to crown the interim AEW world champion. You guys already know how I feel about interim titles. If CM Punk is injured, then, you know, he should have relinquished the title. Someone should have told Tony Khan, no, don't let him stay with the championship title. Like, he's not going to be able to defend it. Like, you know, don't try to fix wrestling when it's not broken. I'll say that again. Do not try to fix wrestling if it's not broken. It is okay if a champion relinquished their title due to some type of medical injury where they are not clear to compete because then once they are healed, the chase will be a lot more sweeter. There's a lot more promos that they can do that can definitely be very good promos, maybe bad promos. I don't know, but they could definitely do a lot more on the chase to get back the thing that they never got pinned for. They never got submitted for. They never got TKO'd from. They're still the champion. However, they can definitely say that they never got pinned, you know. So it's okay to not fix wrestling when it's not broken. Anyway, both Goto and Tanahashi are the veterans in New Japan Pro Wrestling. They most of the time help out the younger guys, take them under their wing. Hiroki Goto actually had Tama under his wing in the early going of Tama's career in New Japan Pro Wrestling. And Tanahashi also had a little bit of a help with that as well to have Tama under his wing. And now again, full circle, Tama's right back with Tanahashi in main corpse and stuff like that. So these two are definitely the main people you want to definitely learn from. Goto has definitely had a lot of great matches in his career. He could definitely go with the best. Him and Tanahashi had a classic of a match. However, we all know this was predictable. We all know that Tanahashi was going to get the victory over Goto, which he does in this match. And on June 26th at Forbidden Door, we will be getting Tanahashi versus Moxley. Because if not, you know that Moxley is going to call out Tanahashi again and be like, I've been waiting four years to fight Tanahashi. Bro, sit down or come over to New Japan and have a tour and fight Tanahashi on New Japan soil. Like you have options and a lot of leeway that most wrestlers don't have. And yet then in your promos, you want to be like, I've been calling Tanahashi out for the past three years. I'm the ace of New Japan, blah, 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 blah. No, it doesn't work that way. Go over there, fight them on their soil, and then be there for like at least three tours, put in the work for New Japan. Yes, he put in the work for New Japan Strong and carrying the company with the IWGP US Championship title, but still continue to be that consistent. The same way that you want to be consistent in AEW with the Blackpool Combat Club, be consistent in GCW because you're GCW champion. Make that same commitment to New Japan before calling out Tanahashi and be like, hey, I've been calling him out for three years. He hasn't answered. Tanahashi has way more worthy opponents. 
Anyway, I really wanted Goto to go over to Forbidden Door to face John Moxley. Even if we know that Goto would have lost to John Moxley at Forbidden Door, I just want Goto to get his flowers. That's all I want. Goto deserves his flowers. And by the way, if you are subscribed to marieshadows.substack.com, you guys will be getting an email about matches of Hiroki Goto that I went over and did some commentary on. So let me know how that is. You guys can definitely send me a message if you guys enjoy that or not. So for this match, we start out with some basic chain wrestling, some side headlocks. Tanahashi does use the barricade. He does have Goto run into that. However, Goto uses the momentum and charges at Tanahashi with a lariat. We get some scoop slams and that somersault senton that Tanahashi loves to do from the second rope. He tries to go for a pin, but Goto kicks out. We get some drop kicks to the knee. We get some forearms exchanged, some slaps. Goto does the Yushigaroshi to Tanahashi. Tanahashi manages to counter some of Goto's attacks with a sling blade. Goto comes in with an elbow drop down, pendulum drop, and we get a dangerous roll up. That could have been it. Goto comes in and basically pins Tanahashi in a very clutch way where Tanahashi had to use all of his strength to kick out. However, in the end, we get aces high on Goto and then the high fly flow on Goto from Tanahashi. Tanahashi goes and covers Hiroki Goto. Tanahashi gets the one, two, three. And again, we will be seeing Tanahashi versus John Moxie at Forbidden Door June 26th. Our next match is a very interesting match. Shingo versus Taichi for the King of Pro Wrestling trophy. This one had a stipulation and it was simply a 10 minute time limit match. And every single pinfall that the referee would count that would equal your points. For example, for every pinfall, the amount of seconds that you are down on the mat before kicking out, they count as points. So for this one, the winner in this was Shingo. Shingo managed to get 11 points over Taichi. Taichi only managed to get nine. So every single time that Shingo pinned Taichi, the referee will count on the mat one, two. Taichi kicks out after the referee counts two then that means that two points are awarded to Shingo. The same thing with Tai Chi. If Tai Chi managed to get Shingo down for, let's say, a count of like three, then if Shingo kicks out before another count happens, that means that three points are awarded to Tai Chi. It's a very interesting way to keep the King of Pro Wrestling trophy interesting because you guys know that I consider this as like the 24-7 championship title. I don't really think it needs to be in... New Japan Pro Wrestling. Unless maybe it's like a championship title rather than a trophy, something that could be a little bit more prestigious. But, you know, it is what it is for the Kingdom Pro Wrestling trophy. However, Shingo does come out as the victorious winner in this match. Shingo gets 11 points over Taichi, who only got nine points. And Shingo is still our Kingdom Pro Wrestling trophy holder, winner. 
our next match, which I will go very in-depth with, it will have its own episode and I will definitely talk about it more. But here are just some pointers, some stuff I want to point out for this match. We had Tama Tonga, who was the never openweight champion, taking on Carl Anderson, who came back to New Japan Pro Wrestling, who came back to Bullet Club. And now we are here and we're having this match. I'm just going to get right to the ending. Tama lost this match. And now we have a new never openweight champion that is Carl Anderson. Tama lost in a bullshit Bullet Club tactic fiasco because of Gallows being on the outside, interference. Even though Jada was trying to help, Tama didn't have enough help. And Tama should have known as being an ex-Bullet Club member that Bullet Club tactics were going to be in this match. Tama did fight very valiant. It makes no sense for Carl Anderson to get the championship title when he just came back into New Japan as a whole and back into Bullet Club. Sure, he has the experience. Sure, he's a veteran. He's been there before, but he left to go to Greener Pastures. Tama has been the backbone of New Japan ever since, and he had opportunities to go to Greener Pastures. But Tama still remains loyal to New Japan Pro Wrestling. That is his home. And the one time that they make Tama a singles champion, other than a tag team champion with his brother T, they take the championship away from Tama and Tama didn't get the chance to elevate the Never division. Every time a heel gets the Never Openweight Championship title, they don't elevate the division. New Japan has a lot of guys that could be going for that never title and it could definitely be like a hot potato type of game where the newer guys that should be pushing the company definitely get a chance to fight Tama at his very best because Tama is the best person they have in New Japan Pro Wrestling to carry what it means to be a never open weight champion rather than giving it to Carl Anderson for some strange-ass reason. Or maybe Carl, like, politicked his way to get the belt. Tama barely even defended it. In his first title defense, you're saying that Tama wasn't smart enough as a babyface to basically beat Carl Anderson when Tama is way better leaps and bounds over Carl Anderson? There's nothing spectacular about Carl when he wrestles. It's very basic. It's very simple. And I usually like that kind of stuff. But I need something a little bit more. Tama has that swagger. He has that ability to pull out the stun gun whenever he needs to. He has the ability to really tell a good story inside the ring using his speed, his power, his psychology, taking it outside the ring and damaging his opponent, taking it inside the ring and doing the little tiny basics, the attention to detail that is all wrapped up into what Tama provides us. He truly honed his craft by staying in New Japan Pro Wrestling while Carl Anderson went from company to company to company and then came back home because he couldn't fucking make it out there in the greener pastures. It's just a little upsetting that the babyface has to take the fall for whatever grand scheme that New Japan wants to do and never really brings up or elevates certain divisions when they let a heel carry a championship title. 
I understand that the Never Championship titles aren't as prestigious as obviously the IWGP World Heavyweight Championship title or the tag titles, but the Never Division was something special. It's basically a transitional division where other guys in New Japan Pro Wrestling can hone their skills, can understand what it means to be a champion and what it truly feels like to have some gold around your waist, gold on your shoulder, and push the New Japan brand further than what it can be. Like, I really wanted Tamatanga versus Hinare. I wanted Hinare to get a chance at that championship title. And then Jeff Cobb wants a shot at that never overweight championship title. And basically that could have happened. That could have been the lineup. But no, we have Carl Anderson and we know he's not going to fucking defend it as much as Tama would have defended it. Because we already seen this. Evil, House of Torture. Evil was a double champion and did shit with the never openweight championship titles. And he's not really doing much with the six-man never open weight championship titles. So why does New Japan always bank on the heel to try to push a division that no one is really going to care about? And the title scene is going to just be the same thing. The IWGP world and maybe the junior heavyweight and the tag teams. You had your golden boy Tama Tonga there with the championship title and you give it to Carl Anderson. After a first offense, not even like the third match that they have. I could understand if like Tama won this one. Carl Anderson is upset and distraught and tries to use psychology against Tama to get under his skin, to get under the skin of a baby face, because that's what heels do. Heels poke and prod at baby faces so that way they could get the advantage psychologically. But you don't have that here now because you gave the belt to Carl. It would have been a fantastic story, right? Hear me out. Tama is the baby face. Tama has to upkeep the whole light and hope in New Japan Pro Wrestling, in himself, in his team, and carrying a never openweight championship title or carrying a title in general is the greatest honor that he can have. And you know that he's full of pride for it. And you know he's going to be the best damn babyface in this business, right? In comes Carl. Carl is the heel. Heels are supposed to be tactical, vicious, play with your emotions, psychology, all that good stuff that we love, right? He's supposed to be the villain. He's supposed to be the antagonist to Tama, who's our hero at this point. And we're like, yes, Tama, we'll follow you, we'll follow your journey. But we also need to keep an eye on the villain that's trying to take the championship title from you. Imagine if this first meeting, this first title defense, Tama goes over Carl Anderson and Carl basically is distraught. So what should he do? He should start playing mind games. The more mind games you play with a baby face, the more you wear them down mentally. And that's how you win. That's how you manage to get a victory over a baby face. You wear them down mentally. Imagine if Carl did every single thing he can to wear down Tama. Tama starts getting doubts. Darkness starts going into Tama's mind, maybe his heart. And maybe he feels like he's not worthy enough for this championship title. And he's believing everything that Carl Anderson says. Then maybe on the third or fourth match that they have, I can agree that Carl Anderson has been worthy in this chase to get a belt off of Tama Tonga because he feels that 
his place has been taken. And now that if he gets the victory over Tama, everything is set right. If Carl Anderson was a true Bullet Club member and a true heel, he would have probably agreed to take the fall, take the loss. And then the story in the chase could definitely be that he could bring up Hikaleo. He could bring up how maybe Tama failed at whatever it is, that he couldn't keep the family together and that he's out of Bullet Club and yet then his brother is going to surpass him. And, you know, play those mind games in order to get a belt that you want. Because it's not that he needs the Never Openweight Championship title. Carl Anderson doesn't need the Never Openweight Championship title. He wants it. So that way he can stab Tama's pride of actually holding a championship title. But no, the senpai, according to Carl Anderson, the senpai had to come back and take it from his student. Excuse me, you left for greener pastures. Your student fucking surpassed you. He's no longer your student. Tama has become his own man. Just because he uses the gun stun and the occasional magic killer does not mean that you're still his senpai and that he's still your student. If that was the case, he would have followed you to greener pastures. But no, like I said, Tama has been the backbone of New Japan Pro Wrestling. And this is where sometimes New Japan Pro Wrestling needs someone on the outside like myself who has this passion that wants to make wrestling better than it was yesterday to think outside the box and present a story like this to where we don't fall flat. Because again, where do we go from this? So Tama's going to go chase Carl, right? What is Tama really going to say towards Carl that hasn't already been said? Carl had all the ammunition because he's a machine gun, right? Carl had all the ammunition to definitely get something going if he was going to be on the chase. But no, we give it to Carl Anderson. It falls flat. This is why sometimes booking and story don't make sense in New Japan Pro Wrestling. And as you can tell, I really did not like the outcome of this. So, yeah. Carl Anderson is our new never openweight champion. Our next match is a interesting match because our IWGP United States champion, rock hard Juice Robinson suffered from appendicitis and made a video about not wanting to show up at Osaka because he can't medical reasons and that he refuses and that he will not be there to defend this title because originally it was supposed to be a triple threat match for the IWGP United States Heavyweight Championship title against Juice versus Osprey versus Sonata. So in this video that Juice Robinson tells the whole world that he's not going to be at Osaka for this match, he suggests to New Japan Pro Wrestling to make a number one contenders match that will have Osprey versus Sonata, and the winner can face Juice Robinson at a later date when he becomes better and he's healed. New Japan Pro Wrestling did not like this at all, so they decided to strip Juice Robinson of the IWGP United States Championship title. but did not receive the championship title from Juice. So when we have this match of Will Ospreay versus Sonata, which was a very good match, it was definitely a lot of callbacks to the last one because the 
announcers did make reference that Will Ospreay was the one that had Sonata have a fractured orbital bone. But regardless of all that, this was a very interesting, nice match. Very quick pace. Will Ospreay doing Will Ospreay things. Sonata countering Will Ospreay and having a lot of very powerful attacks. But in the end, Will Ospreay did the hidden blade to Sonata and then did Stormbreaker as the punctuation mark in this match to add more insult to injury. And Will Ospreay won this match. However, he was not presented with a championship title belt. And that's a little disrespectful that you don't present the new champion with the belt. So he is the metaphorical IWGP United States champion of New Japan Pro Wrestling. Things are going to get interesting once Juice Robinson comes back from injury and is 100% because he has the belt. I don't know if New Japan Pro Wrestling is going to create a new belt to give to Osprey at this point. But... Will Ospreay is always getting fucked over by New Japan Pro Wrestling. I don't know what it is. It seems that the IWGP United States Championship title has this curse. And sometimes United Empire finds themselves in some weird ass conspiracies with either getting counted wrong when it comes to pinfalls and submissions or just getting cheated out of championship titles. I don't know what it is. But Will Ospreay is our new IWGP champion. For now, he is championship-less because Juice Robinson still has the championship title. This is going to be very, very interesting. And now we come to the main event. The main event, which is Okada versus Jay White for the IWGP World Heavyweight Championship title. This, I will go in depth with it because there is story in here like no other. I honestly kind of thought, you know, what else can they do since they already faced each other? But when you think that they can't make any more story, then that's totally wrong. Jay White can definitely make story out of nothing. And he is one of the best to do it in this business. I am so happy that he is a wrestler. I am so happy that he is heel. I'm so happy that he is the villain that we very need in everything wrestling. Because without him, without him speaking his truth and without him laying down the facts whenever he does his promos, wrestling will be boring. And, you know, you start to realize that everything that JY says, there's no lies detected, especially when he's going after AEW. Everyone in AEW seems to be sort of lazy when they have social media at their presence. You know, everything can happen through social media with videos and content and stuff like that. It seems like the only time AEW makes waves is when it has to be planned, you know? I'm just saying that promo that Jay White did for his backstage comments and his after win comments, like we should have been seeing a lot of AEW people be up in arms about Jay White, his comments, the Good Brothers comments, like all of that. Where is that fire that AEW was supposed to have? It's not there. Hangman don't have it. And I was totally right that it's always going to be Jay White over Hangman. Hangman has not improved in the years after Jay White destroyed him in that promo battle 
when it was time for Jay White versus Hangman for the IWGP United States Championship title. And to think about it, Jay White is kind of right that everybody that was in Japan left, start their own company with their friends. And this is what we have now. Just saying, you know, I kind of believe Jay White. However, in this match, Okada is definitely top tier. We know this. There's no debate about it. Okada is the very best in this business. The very best. And Okada already knows Jay. He already knows the rundown and everything. So, you know, he knows that going into this match with Jay, it's going to be a really, really mental drain, I would think, on him. Now that we know that Jay White is the winner of this main event, that does not mean that Okada loses any type of credibility heading into Forbidden Door. Hell, does he really need to be at Forbidden Door? He really doesn't. Tanahashi is the main attraction because it was originally going to be Tanahashi versus CM Punk. But CM Punk is out with an injury. We don't know for how long and we don't really know what his injury was. But regardless, the headlines will read Tanahashi versus John Moxley now. But with Okada, nobody was really calling out Okada. Everyone was calling out Tanahashi more. So you have to really question, like, does Okada really need to be at Forbidden Door? He doesn't have to. And he didn't have to be there with the belt or not. The belt at this point, when you put it on Okada, doesn't make Okada. Okada already made himself. He's a self-made man. And the belt just adds a lot more honor and pride and this glow about Okada. If Okada does not have a belt, it's fine. Jay White having the belt on the other hand. Oh my God, we're in for the year and the era of Switchblade. And it's going to be very menacing. I will tell you this now. If you are an AEW faithful and you listen to this podcast episode and you made it this far about me talking about Dominion, if you get all caught up in your feelings and you take everything to heart and everything is sensitive and you just want to lash out because of feelings, Jay White is not for you. I'm just going to say that right now. Jay White tends to speak no lies. He tends to tell you like it is. And if you're not open-minded at this point, then the stuff he says about your favorite AEW wrestlers, you're not going to like it. I already did a whole spotlight episode of Jay White. You guys can go refer to that as resources. But I'm letting you know now, this is just a warning. If you are super sensitive, if you get all caught up in your feelings, Jay White is not the person for you to follow. I'm just letting you know. Anyone else is fine. You can follow Hangman. Because Hangman seems to sometimes get into his feelings and not be a champion. But that's a that's a discussion for a whole nother day. I'm just warning you guys that JY may not be for you. Just have an open mind the same way that you should have an open mind with this podcast episode. Everything that I talk about wrestling. Because again, none of us here want to brainwash you into thinking that we're completely right. We just have different perspectives. If you can't respect those perspectives then you might need to do a little more soul searching. And with that, I'm going to end it there. That's my review of New Japan Pro Wrestling Dominion. This was just a general review. I will be having individual match reviews where I go in depth and break it down like no other 
because I miss doing that. I miss having those episodes. So I hope you enjoyed this general review of New Japan Pro Wrestling Dominion from Osaka Joe Hall. And if you guys really did enjoy it, make sure to tell a friend, share, like, comment, give me some feedback. I know this is a pretty long episode, but if you made it this far, thank you, thank you, thank you. This could not be possible without you. And of course, if you have any opinions, feedback, you guys are more than welcome to drop it in the comment section below right here on marieshadows.substack.com. This episode would also be on anchor.fm forward slash square circle podcast. It will also be on youtube.com forward slash square circle podcast. I might as well just put up some episodes up on my YouTube channel. Make sure you're following me at Marie underscore shadows. Follow the Twitch channel, twitch.tv forward slash Marie underscore shadows. And the most important one, marieshadows.substack.com. I will gladly, happily love you. If you join me on this journey, all you have to do is just sign up. It's free for signing up. You can also do a paid upgrade subscription where you can definitely unlock everything that I'm going to be having come out in the future in the next couple of weeks any type of paid content so there is an option there for you all right guys I hope you enjoyed this general review of New Japan Pro Wrestling Dominion this has been an episode of the Square Circle Podcast I am your host Marie Shadows and I'll see you guys on the next one